Thongs beyond the day of Pentecost. Let's study that this morning. Thongs beyond the day of Pentecost. Hallelujah. All right, let's pray. Father, we ask and we say there is illumination. The highest of our understanding is enlightened. Everyone can build you as we see ourselves in you. There is there is light this morning as that light is permeating through every veil in our hearts in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're starting a series this morning. We, we kind of touched it last week, but we're starting it proper this morning. Thongs beyond the day of Pentecost. And um, the thongs beyond the day of Pentecost. We, we, one of the things this series is going to do for you is it's going to clear your mind. It's going to help your mind so clear about certain discoveries you need to understand in the scriptures because... As a Christian, <clears throat> you need to keep making discoveries of discoveries of what belongs to you in Christ. You have to keep making discoveries. As you study the scriptures every day, as you walk through the scriptures every day, as you learn from the scriptures every day, you are making discoveries. You are learning. You are growing. So, when you are not learning as a believer, you will keep one you will keep you keep wandering about you just keep hopping from one place to another keep jumping from one ship to another keep trying out new things that's because you are not learning it's just like a school and i've always told us over times that church is like a bible school where you come to learn you come to feed on god's word you come to understand and grow in god's word so as a believer you have to keep making discoveries. You have to keep growing. You have to keep making sure you are pushing for growth. You have to keep making sure that you understand things that are yours in Christ. Are you seeing that? You have to keep making those discoveries. It's, and it's going to really bless you. So look at in John 4 verse 22. Look at something in John 4 verse 22. I'm just building up something before we get to where we are going to. Look at in John 4 verse 22. Look at what the scripture says in John 4 verse 22. It says, Jesus was talking to the woman at the well. He said, um, Ye worship, ye know not what. In our says, we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. For salvation is of the Jews. So, she's saying, now Jesus is saying, you know not what. It means you can practice things you don't understand. A believer can be practicing something now and don't understand. It's just like if somebody asks you, why did you come to service this morning? The person can be practicing something he doesn't understand. Are you seeing it? The person can be practicing and just seeing, ah, okay. Um, so you can be as a Christian and you are grown for so long and you are practicing something you don't understand. Are you getting what I'm saying? You're just practicing something you don't understand. Now, see, you can lack several understanding of several things. Several understanding as touching several things in the sense of, in the sense of you are just growing, you're just, um, you're just growing, you're just um, coming to church and you're just seeing things, but you don't even understand why it is done. Now, look at something. Look at Philemon 1 verse 6. Let's open our Bibles to Philemon 1 verse 6. Philemon 1 verse 6. 
No, come. Philemon 1 verse 6. It says that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Now, so the greatest pursuit of the believer from the day he got born again is knowledge. Knowledge should be the greatest pursuit of the believer. As a believer, you must seek knowledge. You must seek to have understanding of several things. You must seek to want to grow. You must seek to want to have knowledge of so many things. Just like you go to school, just like you go to work and they train you, you have understanding of why you are there. That is why you are also a Christian. You must seek for knowledge. The greatest pursuit of the believer from the day God born again is knowledge. In Hosea 4 verse 6 it says, my people perish because of lack of knowledge. So what an, an ignorant Christian is, is so much, it is so bad to be born again and the devil is the one telling you your reality. <laughs> I don't know if you get what I'm saying. It's so bad. How many of you have met Christians before? I'm, I'm not saying Christians, but you've met people before who are teaching you things in the scriptures and they are not Christians. How many of you have met people like that? They are teaching you things from the Bible and you that you call yourself a Christian. You can't even explain what they say. I watched a video sometimes ago on Facebook and I saw some guy, it was, I believe he was confused, and a Muslim guy was opening the scriptures for him and teaching him things in the scriptures and confusing him. And he was like, wow, I never saw it like that. Really? But imagine that kind of boy or that kind of guy is feeding on God's word. As much knowledge of what is going on. He, he's going to be the one teaching the Muslim. I can't imagine a, a Muslim teaching me my faith. That's an abuse to me. That's an abuse to my Christianity. Or an atheist telling me things in the Bible. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. You'll find some people in the Buddhist religion now. And they will be telling you, no, that's not what the Bible is saying. Really? Do you want to know the Bible more than me? So imagine you come to church every Sunday. You come to church in the week. You grow. You, you, you call yourself a Christian. You say you believe God. And you can't even explain your faith. You can't explain. So if they ask you now, maybe you leave service this morning. And they ask you and they say, why did you go to church this morning? Can you explain why? Okay, we had a prayer meeting before service this morning. They ask you, why was the essence of prayers this morning? Can you explain why? So a lot of Christians just do things and they don't even know why they do it. So like I say, knowledge is the greatest pursuit of the believer. You must seek for knowledge. Are you getting what I'm saying? You must seek for knowledge. You must seek for more knowledge. The greatest, so you must seek to gain more insight into God's word. You must seek to gain insight into God's word. So you and I, as we come to service this morning, we all agree now this morning that we are trying to learn something, right? Right? Everybody's agreeing that, right? If you're in agreement, let me see your hands. All right, cool. So, you are come to this month, you come to service, you study God's word because you need to make discoveries. Because you can't use logic to live the Christian life. You can't, the Christian life is not lived by logic, but who skimming through things and just say, okay, this is what works, this is what does not work, okay, let's do this way, let's not do it this way. No, 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 no. You must seek for knowledge. Hallelujah. All right, this morning we want to study Thongs Beyond the Day of Pentecost. 
because there were tongues before the day of Pentecost. Now, because the, th the day of Pentecost was one of several days people spoke in tongues. Look at Acts 2. I want us to study this morning. Are you ready for a study? All right, look at Acts 2. Let's all go there. Acts 2. Acts 2, chapter 1. Now, before we get there, wait, before we get there, I want to teach you something about studying the scriptures. Now, when you see, in studying the scriptures, go to 2 um, Corinthians 13, verse 1. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 1. So now on your own, when you want to read the scriptures, or when somebody is having a conversation with you, you can explain certain things. Look at 2 Corinthians 13 verse 1. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 1. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 1. It says, this is the third time I'm coming to you in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word be established. So, before you build an evidence in the scripture, there has to be two or more witnesses in the scriptures to corroborate your point. Are you seeing that? It says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word be established. So, when I'm trying to explain something to you, I must give you plethora of scriptures to explain that thing. Does that make sense? I must make sure that my, my, I have enough substantial evidence from the scriptures to build my point. So, you could meet people who just tell you, open to that text. Um, this is what he's saying. <laughs> just tell the person, calm down. You don't build a truth of the scriptures. Is you don't build a doctrine from a text. There has to be several corroborations of what you're saying. So, you must have two or three evidence in the scriptures to arrive at the truth in the scriptures. Something has to corroborate it. Something has. So, there must be another evidence in the scriptures that corroborates what you are saying. Are you getting what I'm saying? Does it make sense to someone? All right. So, in this series, one of the things I'm going to do in this series is to clear your mind as touching speaking in tongues, as touching. What thongs is all about, or so that when you when people hear those people are just saying shaba ba ba ba, what did they mean? You will fairly be able to explain it to them. My major goal is not so that you will speak because I believe you will obviously speak. My major goal is so that you can explain it to people, the very essence of speaking in thongs. Are you getting what I'm saying? All right. Now look at in Acts two. Let's go back to our Acts two. Acts two. Uh, we we'll, we'll, uh, we'll just want to build something very quickly. Acts two. Everybody, please open to Acts 2, chapter 1. Acts 2, 1. Acts 2, verse 1. All right. It says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were, in, they, were with, they were all with one accord in one place. As suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them, Every tongues as of fire, verse 4. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, this is the very first evidence or very first place men spoke with tongues in the scriptures. Now, a movement came out of that from this text. A movement came out of this text, and that's why we, in today's world we have Pentecostals. I don't know if you have heard that word before. Pentecostals. These are, people say, what denomination do you belong to? I'm a Pentecostal. I'm a this. is whatever. Uh, I, I'm all things to all men. <laughs> now, so, now, 
a movement came out of it, and the, and the reason why they came out of that thing is because they agree on speaking in tongues. I mean, if you seen, if you if you have studied some history, you will see in the Azusa Street Revival, they had um, all this. That's what they did. They spoke in tongues a whole lot. So that movement came out from there, and then I started saying, "Oh, we are Pentecostals, this and that and that." That's fine. Now, but what does Pentecost mean? Pentecost is not the day the Holy Spirit was given. No. It is not the day the Holy Spirit was given. There is a day of Pentecost and it is not identified with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you read in Leviticus 23 and Deuteronomy 16, you will find that there is actually a day called the day of Pentecost. Now, what does Pentecost mean? It is a feast of the Jews. Pentecost is the feast of the Jews. It's where you have a Passover meal. Pentecost is just, let me tell you, what does Pentecost mean? It just simply means 50 days. 50 days, 49 days after Passover, 50 days. You know that word they taught you when you were growing up in mathematics? Penty, 50, Pentecost, Penta something. Anything, you know those Penty, just simply means 50. That's what it means. 49 days after Passover, where they celebrate the meals. It's just like, it's just like even the Holy Communion today, the bread and the wine and all of those things. Jesus didn't start it. No, Jesus didn't start the bread and the wine thing. It has been in existence in the culture of the Jews. It's just like, um, let's use the American culture as a case study. The American culture has a culture of Thanksgiving every November. Right? Right? We agree on that now. America has thanksgiving every november and the culture is we eat turkey that's when you you buy turkey you do all of those things in the american culture now in the jewish culture they had a day called pentecost they had passover day communion day that's where they eat the bread the wine that we eat today and we call it only communion i don't know how the bread you cooked in your house and the wine that you bought in Walmart suddenly became Holy Communion. Then I said, take this for the remembrance of me. No. It was, let me tell you what was happening with that. Jesus was just accommodating their culture to fulfill his plan. It's just like saying, if Jesus wants to come in our today's day, we already have Christmas day or Easter day already. That day is already a very visible day for Jesus to use to fulfill his death, burial and the resurrections. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Now, but in the American culture, there is a day of Thanksgiving where they eat turkey. Now, I'm a Nigerian. There is nothing like Thanksgiving in Nigeria. I mean, did they start it that I did not know? <laughs> I'm sure you're a Ghanaian. Is there Thanksgiving in Ghana? No, no, in Ghana, no. Now, so in Ghana, there is nothing like Thanksgiving. You are from mixed different worlds. <laughs> Where you are from, is there Thanksgiving there? No. But in American culture, there is Thanksgiving. Now, in Nigeria, where I am from, especially in my town, there is something they call Masquerade Festival. Oh, you don't know? Oh, yeah. So, there is Masquerade Festival. The person will wear masquerade. The person who will be in masquerade will cover up. And if we would cane, and some people will be following after him. You know all these canes, just like all these um, 
bush part stuff. Then he holds it. And, uh, so the main necessity is if they catch you around, maybe at one, maybe this is the masquerade. The masquerade is a front. You mistakenly <laughs> go around the masquerade. You are going to be flogged. <laughs> so all shops must close. All everybody must stay indoor to celebrate the masquerade festival. Now they do their own food and they eat and all, do all of those things. If you really want to understand this, go on Netflix and watch Ayila. There's a movie called Ayila. You see, there was there was a time they celebrated one culture thing in that movie where they had they came into Ayila's house and and they did watch that movie on Netflix. It will make sense. It will make sense some of the culture in Nigeria for you. Now, that is a culture. The Jews also had theirs. Are you getting what I'm saying? Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. Alright. So, Pentecost was not a special day. It was an expected day. It was just like saying, God just used their culture to fulfill his plan. Does that make sense? Does that make sense to everybody? If it makes sense to you at this point, let me see your hands. Alright. Makes sense. Now, so... So, it's just like I explained to you even the, 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 the Passover and the bread and the wine and all of those things. Jesus never started it. It was just a type and shadow for Jesus. So, Pentecost or the day of Pentecost was a feast of the Jews. It was a feast of the Jews, a celebration of the Jews. So, just, just, just some, some issue and there. Now, we, we have a belief that um, those guys in Acts 2 were in the upper room and um, the, 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 you know, even some books have told us they were somewhere in one upper room, the, the window was open, the Holy Ghost now came, a butterfly just moved around their head. <laughs> no, it's Jehovah's Witness that told us that story, it's a lie. They were, they were in the temple, upper room is where they sleep, they don't pray in the upper room, if you study the scriptures very well. Now, so they were in the temple, they were, they didn't, they were not in the, um, they were not in the upper room. They were praying and supplicating in the temple. So now, the day of Pentecost, back to what I'm saying now, the day of Pentecost was a day where every Jew knew. So in Acts 2, verse 1 to 4, it says, we've read it and we saw, people normally call it, that was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But you see, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to be baptized into Christ. That can be the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The very minute you got born again, you were baptized with the Holy Ghost. Look at in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 13. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 13. 1 Corinthians 12 13. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 13. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 13. It says, For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews, Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, we have all been made to drink into one spirit. So the man born again is born of the spirit. Are you getting what I'm saying? A man who has received the gospel is born of the spirit. Is baptized with the Holy Ghost already. The Holy Ghost doesn't come upon you when you started speaking in tongues. No. In fact, it is because you have the Holy Ghost, that's why you started speaking in tongues. Or that's why you can speak in tongues. So a man who gets born again today, this very minute, this same very minute, that man has the ability to speak in tongues. 
The reason why he's not speaking is because he is not thought properly. Like I told you, knowledge is the greatest pursuit of the believer. Knowledge should be the greatest pursuit of what? The believer. So, if a man received Jesus today, that man asked the Holy Ghost. You and I seated in this service this morning. See, let me tell you the truth. The fact that you came to church this morning shows you are a Christian. It's because you understand that you have to be in church on a Sunday morning. So, it shows you have the Holy Ghost. It shows you can actually even speak with tongues. There is this thing that happened when we were younger. They used to tell us, you first get baptized with water. Then after you get baptized with water, you go through sanctification, justification, something, 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 something. Then you now have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. No, they lied. The very minute a man believes the gospel, that very minute he is sealed with the Holy Ghost. That very minute he can speak with tongues. That very minute he can even prophesy. Because he has the Holy Ghost. Say, I have the Holy Ghost. No, you're not saying it like you mean it. You're not saying it like you mean it. You have the Holy Ghost. So, what happened to them in Acts 2 was not the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because they were already saved. Are you getting what, Are you getting my flow now? They already had the Holy Ghost. So, a lot of people used to call it the baptism of the Holy Ghost. In fact, we used to tell us, hey, we want, we don't fill them with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> the truth of the matter is just an appellation we just use. But the truth of the matter is, a man born again is full of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why we say he's full of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. They use that word evidence of speaking with tongues. Because the evidence that you're actually full of the Holy Ghost is that you speak with tongues. Are you getting what I'm saying? But see, even if you were not speaking in tongues, which you should be speaking, you are full of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is in you completely. It is not in you in measures. God does not give in spirit in measures. He says we have all been made to drink into one spirit. Are you getting me? God does not give his spirit in measures. He gives his spirit in full. So you have the fullness of the spirit with you now. He says in the scripture, he says we have received the earnest fullness of his spirit. So, say I have the fullness of his spirit. No, you're not saying it like you mean it. I have the fullness of his spirit. You're not saying it like you mean it. I have the fullness of the You have the fullness of the spirit with you. So, the day of Pentecost was not the baptism of the Holy Ghost. No. It was not. Because baptism means identification. It's from the word baptizo. It's like in mass. You are dipped into something. Now, when you are dipped into something, you and I have been baptized into Christ. We've all been made to drink in one spirit. We've received his blood. We've received his spirit. So, you were baptized in, into Christ. Look at in Acts 1 verse 5. Acts 1 verse 5. Acts 1 verse 5. It says... For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized. You know, you see, it says John baptized with water. He now says, what will you do? He says, you will be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days ends. So you are baptized with the Holy Ghost. Say, I am baptized with the Holy Ghost. You're not saying it like you mean it. So you are baptized with the Holy Ghost. So now, let's continue with what we, the journey we are going to. So a lot of people assume 
that those 120 people who spoke in tongues in Acts 2 spoke languages in the world and people heard them clearly. How many of you have that belief before that? Okay, um, they spoke different languages, Chinese, Japan, Chun, Chin, Chin. Um, this one was speaking this, speaking Sudanese, speaking Ghanaian. Speaking... What language do you speak in Ghana? Eh? Chi. Oh, Tui. Oh, that's what I, I heard that in a song. So that's what you people speak. Okay, I'm learning. I'm learning. That's good. All right. Now, a lot of people assume that those 120 people spoke all languages in the world and people heard them clearly. All right. Let's do something. Let's make it. Let's, let's do it practical. Everybody, speak your language. If you cannot, if you don't know your language, just speak English. <laughs> and everybody, let's make noise with that language. Everybody, let's do that. If it's just speak English, uh, just make noise. On your own, on your own, personally, personally. Just speak English, just say anything. No, lift your voice now. Why are you talking quietly? Why is Isaac buying that? Speak to him now. Uh, everyone, okay, hallelujah. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. One, two, ready, go. Ah. Say anything. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now watch something. Now watch something. Did you hear what anybody is saying? Did you hear anybody what anybody is saying? So now, did it make sense when they say everybody heard people in different languages? How would you have heard 120 people in different languages? You know, that's why, like I said, that's one of the reasons you come to church because you are coming to learn. So, so that when somebody comes to you tomorrow and say, no, what you are saying, you should be saying Japan. You should be speaking Chinese. When you are speaking in tongues, you should be speaking Taiwan. Ah, bro. In, on the day of Pentecost, 120 people spoke with tongues. And the Bible says they heard themselves. How did you? We are not even up to 120 here now. Did you? Can even all of you hear yourselves here? Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, what happened? We want to study. Remember I told you, Pentecost was a celebration of what? The Jews. And the venue it was where? Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is the city of the Jews. Jerusalem is the city of the Jews. Jerusalem is the city of the Jews. Just like America is the city of Americans. UK or London is the city of, is the, city of the British people. I mean, there's a celebration that, the, the, that people in the UK celebrate. I think, I don't know, something maybe about all this Queen, Queen, Queen Elizabeth stuff, right? I think they celebrate stuff like that. But you know, we, we can't celebrate things like that. We, we're not under, but I believe Canada will be celebrating it because they are still under the Queen. Canada will still be under, um, they are still under the British Empire. Now, but it doesn't apply to us today. Now, look at what was happening. Now, just you know, you know that Americans now are scattered all over the world. It's just like, let's use Ghanaian, Isaac, because Isaac is my highest today. Let's use Ghanaians now. Ghanaians now are scattered all over the world. Now, Ghanaians have their country, they have their culture, but a Ghanaian, a Ghanaian is in our service this morning in America. Now, if they have a special celebration, let's use Thanksgiving now. Let's say they have Ghanaian Thanksgiving. 
You know, it is not wrong for Isaac to go back home to celebrate with his family and eat turkey. Right? Because it's their celebration. Now, that was exactly what happened on the day of Pentecost. They were Jewish people who came home to celebrate Pentecost. Does that make sense? So when he says people came from all over the world, it simply means, it's just like my family now, my immediate family now is in Indianapolis. And me, I am here in Rochester, New York. Let's say on Thanksgiving Day, if I decide, I can decide to go back home and celebrate and eat Thanksgiving chicken or Thanksgiving turkey with my family in Indianapolis. Does that make sense? Now, does that mean I am no more a Nigerian? Again, are you getting what I'm saying? Are you getting what? So, if they want to regard me now when I get to India, okay. Sometimes when I go to Nigeria, I'm a Nigerian, an Ikiti boy, or Darud bread. <laughs> now, if I go to Nigeria to preach, they don't regard me as a Nigerian anymore. If I get invitations to preach in Nigeria, they will tell me this. How they refer to me, the pastor from New York. Or the pastor from America. That's how they say it. But does that change my identity that I'm not a Nigerian? No. In fact, I will still speak my normal Yoruba language. Right? But my identity now has changed because of where I am now based. Are you, are you following me now? So that is what... So if, if there's a celebration now in my street back home, because I really love my streets back home, and they say, okay, come we have a celebration that you have to be a partaker of. You know they will regard me as higher from New York who came back to Oda Road to celebrate something. Does that make sense? That is exactly what happened on the day of Pentecost. They were Jews who came from everywhere to celebrate the feast. Does that make sense? No Jew, people who are not Jews will not come to celebrate something that doesn't belong to them. It's just like how a Canadian cannot celebrate an American Thanksgiving. You know, it took me years, even despite I've been in America for quite some years now, it took me years to understand what Thanksgiving means in America. For the past two, three years, I didn't understand what it means because I was just wondering what is Thanksgiving, what is Turkey Day. In my mind, I just sit as public holiday, time to rest and do everything. It was after some years when I started adapting to the culture. I started seeing that, oh, okay, there's, there's, let's go and hit Turkey and all of those things. In Nigeria, we don't do banga or fireworks in Independence Day, where they will just, government will open some people here and say, let's go and watch fireworks. Everybody will go and watch on July 4th. No, banga is an everyday thing in Lagos. Fireworks is an everyday. You can just be sleeping and you just hear fireworks in Lagos. It's not. It's not. So that is the culture. Christmas time, you know Christmas time everywhere is quiet, everybody is doing silent Christmas, white Christmas, winter Christmas. <laughs> I've been celebrating my Christmas in Nigeria for quite some years now, and I can tell you, Christmas is banger time. Fireworks, everywhere is sound. You, in fact, as you are going, you are like, blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus, oh, blood of Jesus, they should not throw this thing at me. But that is the culture. But if you try it here in America, they will arrest you because you are doing it at illegal times. Are you seeing the culture? So now, I can't try that in this city. But I can try it back home because that is the culture. So, 
non-Jews will not understand what the day of Pentecost means. Does it make sense now? If it makes sense, let me see your hands. All right. Now, so that was what was happening. Look at in Acts 20 verse 16. Let me tell you something. In Acts 20 verse 16, I want you to read something. To tell you that people used to travel back to celebrate Pentecost. Let me show you. You know I told you that there must be corroborative witness, right? Right? All right. Look at Acts 20 verse 6. Acts 20 verse 16. Sorry, not 6. Acts 20 verse 16. Or let's start from 15. Acts 20. Are you there? Are you there? All right. It says, And we sailed things and came the next day against Shields. And the next day we arrived at Samos and tarried at Trigolimion. And the next day we came to Miletus. Look at in verse 16. For Paul determined to sail by Ephesus because he would not spend time in Asia, for he hasted if it were possible for him to be in Jerusalem, what? The day of what? So Paul was trying to travel back to celebrate Pentecost in Jerusalem. To tell you it was a special day for Jews because Paul was a Jew. And he was in Asia here. So look at in Acts 2. Let's go back to Acts 2. Let's go back to Acts 2. Acts 2 verse 5. Let's go back to Acts 2. Acts 2 verse 5. It says, and there, were devo- and there were dwelling at Jerusalem, devout men, half of every nation under heaven. Now it says they were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews. Look at the emphasis. It says they were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men, half of every nation under heaven. So now the question will be, is everyone in every nation a Jew? Is everyone in every nation a Jew? I'm not a Jew. I'm a Nigerian. You get to what I'm saying? I don't know about you. Maybe you are a Jew. No, no, I lose like a Jew though. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just joking. <laughs> now, it says, look at in verse 6. Now, when there was when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and they were confounded because they heard every man and they heard every man heard them speak in their own language. We just did the practical not quite long. Could you have heard every man speak in their language? Remember, who was in Jerusalem now? The Jews. The Jews. All right, makes sense. Now, look at verse 7. They were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? How and how we hear every man in our own tongue where we were born Persians, Medes, Eplamis, dwellers of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cambodia, Pontius, Asia, Pergia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and some part of Libya. So, some part of Libya too are also Jews. Are people in Egypt Jews or Libya Jews? All right. About Syrians, strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes, Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongue the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and we are in doubt, saying to one another, what mean is this? Others mocking, saying, these are f- men full of new wine. If you were there too, won't you be wondering, why are people just saying, these people are mad. <laughs> now, we are, I'm coming, we are coming, we are coming. I'm coming to explain something. Now, the day of Pentecost was not a day for the United Nations General Assembly, no. Everyone had a common language. 
Now, in studying something in the scriptures, let me just give you a thing before we go back to, uh, in, to something. In studying something in the scriptures, in the book of Acts, the book of Acts was written for a purpose. And what was the book of Acts written for? It was written for an evidence so that you can have a proof. It was like an eyewitness, a story. It's just like how we document the history of America in history books. So when you take history classes, political science classes, you can find out the history of America. Now, that is how the book of Acts is. There are documents for evidence. Now, it is not a book to find out knowledge. No, 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 no. It's a story. They're just telling you stories, eyewitness. So it's just like you are reading history. And Luke wrote this book. Who was the writer of, of the book of Acts? He was a disciple of Paul, Luke. And he wrote this book to Theophilus. Look at in Acts 1 verse 1 to 3. The former traitors have I made. Look at in Acts 1 verse 1 to 3. He was writing this to somebody. He says, the former traitors have I made. All Theophilus of all Jesus began to do, both to do, of all Jesus began both to do and teach. He wrote it to Luke. It was written to Theophilus. Look at in Luke 1 to show you another evidence. Remember I told you there has to be corroborative evidence, right? Yes, right? Yes, oh, uh, did I lose you? All right. Look at in Luke 1. Luke 1 verse 1. It says, for as much as many have taken... Are you there? I'll wait for you. Luke 1 verse 1. It says, as much as many has taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they were delivered unto us, from the beginning we are high witnesses and ministers of the word. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of the things that we are forced to write to thee in order what? Most excellent who? Theophilus. So, the book of Luke and the book of Acts were written to Theophilus. And they were giving for what? Evidence. They are not doctrinal books. They are not books where you want to learn doctrine. No. The epistles, now, the epistles is doctrine. They are written for you to know. In the epistles now, what is the epistles? Romans to Jude. That's the epistles. They are written for you to know and understand. In Ephesians 3 verse 3, Paul was saying something. I'm just giving us this tip in Bible study so that when you want to study on your own, the scriptures, you can have an understanding of several things. Look at in Ephesians 3, verse 3. Ephesians 3, verse 3. Because these are tips that will help you in understanding your Bible so much. Hallelujah. Look at Ephesians 3, verse 3. It says, How by revelation he has made known unto you, unto me in mysteries, as I wrote afore in few words. He now says, whereby when you read, you might understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. So the epistles reveal the scriptures for, to us. They explain everything to us. So Matthew, Mark, Luke and John brings the Old Testament book to an end historically. So w the book of Acts is a book of evidence, proof, stories. So it's like saying if you learn doctrine in the book of Acts, where you will find an example of what you learned is if you learn doctrine in the epistles, sorry, where you will find an example of what you learned will be where? The book of Acts. Because that's where it gives you the evidence, the proof. Does that make sense? Does it make sense to someone? Now, let me give you another tip to study the scriptures. Seven principles to study your Bible. Now, whatever doctrine you teach must be seen in Genesis as a gem form 
in the book of Moses, as a type and shadow, I'll say it again, must be whatever doctrine we are teaching today, or when anybody tells you, um, this is a scripture, this is a doctrine, can we find it in Genesis? It must be in Genesis as a gem form. It must be in the book of Moses, in the laws of Moses, as types and shadows. It must be in the book of Psalms, in the sacred songs, or Psalms and sacred songs of David. It must be in the prophecies also, like the major and minor prophets, as prophecies. In the four Gospels, as the Word became flesh that dwells among us. In the book of, the, in the Act of the Apostles, as the pattern of the church. In the Epistles, as doctrine. I'll say it again. In Genesis, as the gem form. In the Law of Moses, as the type and shadow. In the Psalms of David as what? Sacred songs of David. In the prophets as the prophecies. In the gospel as the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In the act of apostles as the pattern of the church. In the epistles as what? Doctrine. I'll say it again. In Genesis as a gem form. In the book of Moses. In the law of Moses as type and shadows. In Psalms, as, in Psalms as a sacred song, in the prophets as prophecies, in the gospel as the word became flesh and dwells among us, in the heart of apostles as the pattern of the church, in the epistles as what? As doctrine. Are you getting what I'm saying? Did you make, does that make sense? Did this simple tip help you? All right, let's go back to, let's go back, let's go back, let's go back. Before you switch off, let's go back, let's go back to our day of Pentecost. Are you enjoying this? Are you sure? Alright, let's go back to our day of Pentecost. Now, look, look at Acts 2, verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come. When it says fully come, it means 6 a.m. in the morning. According to the Jewish calendar, it was 6 a.m. in the morning. When it says fully come, it means in the brightness of the day. Does that make sense? So, when it says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, just, just mark in your head, 6 a.m. in the morning. So, when Peter was saying, in verse, in verse, um, when Peter was saying in verse 15 that these are not drunk as ye supposed, seeing that this is but the third hour of the day. Third hour of the day will mean 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. That will be 9 a.m. that morning. So they have spoken in tongues for the space of three hours that morning. So Paul is, Peter was telling them, guys, they are not even, they've not even started though. Are you getting me? So when it says the third hour of the day, according to the Jewish calendar, third hour of the day is 9 a.m. So when you see in, um, Peter and John went up together in Acts 3. Peter and John went up together in the temple at the hour of prayer being the night hour. Now, let's calculate now. If the third hour of the day is 9 a.m., what would be the night hour? 3 p.m. So it was 3 p.m. in the afternoon. Are you seeing it? Does it make sense to everybody? I'm showing you how to calculate in the scriptures the Jewish calendar now. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Because we don't use the same calendar. We are using the Gregorian calendar. They used their own calendar at that time. So that's why you read in the Old Testament in the 17th month of the, this month. We don't have 17th month anymore. We only have 12 months. Are you seeing it? All right. 
Now, so was the day of Pentecost restricted or was tongues restricted to just the day of Pentecost? No. In Acts 10, remember I told you there must be what? Corroborative witnesses, right? In Acts 10, men also spoke in tongues. So people will tell you, no, we don't speak in tongues in 2022. Tell them they are lying. Tell them that believers can speak in tongues even in 2000. Are you getting what I'm saying? As far as Jesus has not come, tongues is actually beyond the day of Pentecost. Look at in Acts 10. Look at Acts 10. Men spoke in tongues. Acts 10 verse 44. Look at in Acts 10 verse 44. Colenius was a Gentile. It wasn't now. Now look at what, what is happening. Colenius was a Gentile. And remember the first people that spoke in tongues were Jews. Right? Alright. Look at Colenius. A Gentile. In Acts 10 verse 44. Acts 10 verse 44. Are you there? Are you there? I'll wait for you. Acts 10 verse 44. Alright, it says, when Peter yet speak these words, the Holy Ghost fell upon, fell on all of them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision that believe astonished as many that were with Peter, because on that the Gentiles was poured the gift of the Holy Ghost. Are you seeing that Gentiles now are now speaking in tongues? So it's not restricted to a certain sect again now. You know, we we are Gentiles. As far as you are not a Jew, you are a Gentile. That's how the scriptures regarded us. So it's always it, the scriptures. So if you read the bulk of the entire scripture, it's just like basically Israelites and the rest of the world. Are you getting Jews and the Gentiles? Those that are not in Jerusalem are called Gentiles. So we can safely call ourselves Gentiles today. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, so in verse 46, it says, They heard them speak with what? You know, you're reading it. For, it says, For they heard them speak with what? Thongs and magnified God. So they spoke with thongs. Gentiles spoke with thongs. Look at um, in Acts 8. Look at Acts 8 also. Samaria was a Gentile region. Acts 8 verse 14. Samaria was a Gentile region. Samaria is like saying they are not a complete Jew. They are not complete Gentiles. We'll explain those things. Just like Canada and USA to tomorrow. We'll explain those things later. Now look at um, Acts 8 verse 14. He says, when the apostles, we which are at Jerusalem, heard that in Samaria they received the word of God, they sent for Peter, James, and Peter and John, who they may come down and pray for them, that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Look at in verse 16. Very key emphasis. They bracket it so that we can understand it well. He says, for as yet he has he was falling upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of Jesus. In verse 17, now says they laid hands on them. And they did what? They received the Holy Ghost. Now, remember I told you something. Was it this day they were receiving the Holy Ghost? Remember they already told us they were baptized in the name of Jesus. So that receiving the Holy Ghost is just an appellation to what? Alright. Look at in verse 18. It now says, When Simon saw that through the laying on of the, of the apostles' ends, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. Is he saying, <laughs> give me also this power, that whosoever I lay my hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. Ah, ah. Peter said unto him, Thou, thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Verse 21. He says, For thou hast neither path or lot in this matter. That word matter there is like utterance. He says, For thy heart is not right in the sight of God. So it's to let you know that men also receive. Thongs. 
Now look at in Acts 9 also. Let's see. Are you seeing that Punks is beyond Acts 2 now? Are, you, are we agreeing now? Are you seeing that it's not now restricted to just Jews alone now? Gentile regions are speaking. In Samaria they spoke. Colonial house they spoke, right? Right? Do we agree? Alright. Look at in Acts 9. Acts 9 verse 17. Now this is Paul. Or Saul. Saul is this Jewish name. Paul is his Roman name. Paul, he had a Jewish citizenship. Paul, Saul is his Jewish name. Paul is his Roman name. So that people that used to tell you the mystery of the change in your name. Why is your name this? Why is your name favor? Your name should have been favored. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's just, it's just, they're just, they're just jokers. Sorry. It's, uh, it's, not, there's, no, there's no significance to those things. Alright, let's go back to the scriptures. Now, look at in Acts 9 verse 17. Acts 9 verse 17. Now, this is to make you know. Now, in Acts 2, the apostles were there doing it, right? Making men speak with tongues. In Acts 10, Paul, Peter was the one. Now, he's still a boss. He's still the chief apostle. He was still the one helping them in Acts 10. In Acts 8, Peter was still involved. Peter and John, the boss. Now, in that nine, a common guy just like you, Ananias, <laughs> is to let you know that now it has graduated from the 12 apostles, right? And the 120 people who first spoke to other men speaking. And not now Peter who is helping other men now, but now an ordinary member in church. Maybe the guy now is even in the foundation school. <laughs> Are you getting me? An ordinary member of church. Now look at verse 17. Look at verse 17. It says, Ananias. Before we even see who Ananias is, let's see. Um, let's see. Let's start with the history of Ananias first so that you can know that he's just a certain guy. Look at in verse um look at in verse 10, at 9, verse 10. And there was a certain disciple. When the Bible uses certain disciple, it means an ordinary guy. <laughs> it's like saying one certain Tony in our service. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? A certain Chiamaka in service. You know, something like that. It says, and there was a certain disciple at Damascus, named what? Hananias. And to him the Lord in the vision, Hananias. So that's where he started and all of those. In fact, the guy did not want to go. Because look at what he said in verse 13. It says, and Hananias answered, Lord, I've heard, many, men, I've heard of this man, how much evil he has done to thy saint in Jerusalem. <laughs> he didn't even want to go. But he eventually went in verse 17. And Ananias went, look at him verse 17, went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus that appeared unto thee on the way as cometh, as thou camest, has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be what? What did I tell you that feed with the Holy Ghost mean now? Speaking with tongues. Does that make sense? You know he has been saved. He has encountered Jesus. He is full of the Spirit. But it's just like an evidence. Does that make sense? So why did we? Why is it not written that they spoke in tongues like that? Remember I told you, you don't learn doctrine in the book of Acts, right? You learn evidence. You learn proofs, practicality in the book of Acts. Does that make sense? Alright. So they spoke with tongues. They spoke with tongues. They spoke with tongues. So, thongs was a practice of the apostles. So, that shows 
you are somebody in this service. You can get home today and lay hands on your brother and help them speak with tongues. You can help your sister and help them speak with tongues. Ah, why are you not speaking with tongues? You can get to your room and help your friend and say, Ah, why are you not speaking with tongues? You are a Christian. You've been going to church for so many years. Come, let me walk you through the scriptures. We have a, a message. You can lay your hands on that material. How to get people filled with the Holy Ghost. You can lay your hands on that material and it will bless you. It just give you practical things on how to do from the scriptures. On what to do. Lay your hands on that material. It will bless you. Now, you can. You can help people. See, Ananias just helped Paul. A certain, he was not Peter. Neither was he John. Ananias, a certain member in a local church. Helped Peter, helped Paul to speak with tongues. That was supernatural. So tongues was in the practice of the apostles, in the laying of hands. So it shows that if you are not speaking in, this, in tongues in this service now, somebody sitting beside you can lay hands and help you speak with tongues. And you will speak. Are you getting what I'm saying? You can you know one of the reasons I did not believe in most of these things where they will tell you you have to go through. How many of you have heard these things where they say you have to go through several steps before you speak with tongues? You have to be baptized, you have to be this, you have to be that. How many of you have heard those things growing up? I heard it. In fact, one of the reasons why I didn't believe it is because before I was baptized with water, I was already speaking with tongues. So when they finished baptizing us with water, they will not drove us. In fact, where did they do? <laughs> They baptize in one dirty stream. They just say, in the name of fire, so we are baptized today. Hallelujah. I was, I've been wondering, what does that really mean? What the point is, I mean, we'll study those things later. All right. Now, then they now took us to church and say, all right, now it's time for you to receive the Holy Ghost. Start speaking. I said, I've, started, I've been speaking before. They're like, are you sure? Speak, let me hear. I said, ah. <laughs> I said, I've been speaking with tongues before, before, years before even this. I only have to do this because as at that time, the ministry we're serving under, you can't be a worker until you are, you can't be a full confirmed worker. Except you have been baptized and you have your certificate. So you come and show your certificate as proof. I've been baptized, so now confirm me as a worker in this church. <laughs> so that's what helped our ministry those years, those times. Anyway, so... You can speak. The day you received Jesus, that very day, you could speak with tongues. Are you getting what I'm saying? You could. Why did you not speak? Remember I just told you, you did not have enough knowledge. There, everything, I've, I've always told you, many of the things we are learning in Christianity and we will learn till we die, we are learning backwards. We are learning and finding out what happened at salvation. What did Christ in Jesus do for us? What did God in Christ Jesus do for us as salvation? That's what we are keep learning. That's what we are even learning in service this morning. So tongues is beyond Acts 2. Have you seen it? Tongues is beyond the day of Pentecost. Tongues is in this our service. Hallelujah. So it happened in other instances. So some people spoke with tongues. Now, nobody in the scriptures has ever preached in tongues before. So don't let anybody bamboozle you and say, just imagine I come to this service this morning and I say, Shababa, Rababa, Rababa. That's, that's the sound. All of you just pack your Bible and say, ah, this guy is wrong, man. <laughs> this, this guy is mad this morning. You know, it doesn't make sense. So I can't preach to you in tongues. I have to preach to you in a language you understand. Does that make sense? So Peter didn't speak with them when he was communicating with them. He says, guys, 
these men are not drunks at this point. He spoke in the language that they understood. So, language is to communicate. So, when I preach to you in a language, it is for you to understand. Right? Now, let's isolate Act 2. Let's go to Act 10 and Act 19. Look at Act 19 verse 6. Let's first see Act 19 verse 6. Act 19 verse 6. Look at Paul now. Paul who? You know Ananias got Paul. Feed with the Holy Ghost now. Now look at Paul. Paul is now a G. You know what they call a G. He's now a boss. Look at Act 19 verse 6. Act 19 verse 6. Act 19 verse 6. Are you there? I'll wait for you. Look at it. It says, and Paul laid his hands. Paul is now doing the same thing. So that shows to you. When you receive the gifts of speaking in tongues, or when you receive the gift of you, is to help others too. Are you seeing it? It's to help others. So you see, you have a responsibility to make others do the same thing you are doing. So Paul laid his hands upon them, and the Holy Ghost came on them, and they did what? They spoke with tongues and did what? And they prophesied. No. So that shows the very minute you spoke in tongues, you could actually prophesy. Why have you not been prophesying? You just did not know. Are you seeing it? You just didn't know. Alright. So speaking in tongues is not someone's language. Let's correct certain things now. Let's start putting our, you know, um, what they call this thing in English. Let's start arranging, let's start arranging our box now. You know, we've, we've traveled everywhere. We've seen how to. We've seen how they, We've done everything. We've seen Bible interpretation. Now, let's start putting our box together to, to form a shape. Now, speaking in tongues is not speaking somebody's language. If it is speaking somebody's language, then it is not tongues. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, are there instances where... People, I could be speaking now and somebody can be hearing me in Korea. Let's say I speak in tongues and somebody is hearing me. Are there instances like that? Yes. I would to God that instances like that will happen to us. But what is happening that time is supernatural. I will explain it to you next week. So you don't miss service next week. <laughs> now, look at, look at something. Speaking in tongues is not somebody's language. No, it is not. It can't even be. If I am speaking in, if my speaking in tongues now is speaking in Taiwan or Japan, if somebody from Taiwan and Japan comes to this service, hope you know that can't be supernatural. How many of you know? That can't be tongues anymore because it is not speaking in somebody's language. It is a different mode of communication for the believer. Tongues is a different mode of communication for the believer. Now, it was prophesied in Isaiah 28. Remember I told you, if you want to build a doctrine, it has to be where? You have to first see it where? In the Old Testament, right? In the prophecies. Right. All right. Let's see it in the prophecies. In the future, I will show you Genesis. Not now. Look at Isaiah 28, verse 11. Isaiah 28. It has to be in the prophecies, right? Then it will be in the four gospels, right? It will be in the book of Acts, right? And then it will be in the doctrine. Are you seeing? Are you seeing that there has to be corroborative witness, right? All right, look at Acts, Acts 20, Isaiah 28. See where it was prophesied by Isaiah. It says, What well, with stammering lips and other thongs 
Will he do what? Speak to these people. Look at in 1 Corinthians 14. See the, see, the con- see the conclusion of that prophecy. In 1 Corinthians 14 verse 21. 1 Corinthians 14 21. To tell you that the scriptures are intertwined, you have to read it all together. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 21. Are you there? I'll wait for you guys. I'll wait. I want everybody, every one of you to be there. Are you learning something this morning? Is it making sense? Alright. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 21. 1 Corinthians 14, 21. 1 Corinthians 14, 21. It says, In the law, it is written, With men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto these people. Where did Paul pick this from now? Are you seeing it? Are you seeing it? What did he now say? He says, Paul now added to it. He now says, And yet, for all they will not hear me, see it the Lord. And this was the same chapter, in this same, same Isaiah 14, Paul was explaining songs. So the Bible was written in Greek and Hebrew, the New Testament Greek, the Old Testament Hebrew. So in the King James Version in 1611, I remember I took a class some years ago when I was in school, some years ago, and I took a class on, on King James. I don't know if they offer that class anymore. I did it in Indiana anyway. Now, so they, they, there was a class, so I had to learn what was happening with the King James Version, what happened. So there was something I found out, one truth I found out, that I knew before the class though, but it not made sense with the class. It's like, from the original author in translating the scriptures, because you know, if I say something now, if Isaac is to say something in Twi now, and let's say, ah, we don't have any other Ghanaian here again, outside Isaac. All right. Uh, no, I is a fake Ghanaian. Okay, let's use. Um, eh? You say what? Okay, let's use Igbos. Okay. There are two Igbos here now. Oh, you are Igbo? Oh, your mom is Igbo. Okay, awesome. Let's use three Igbos now. So, let's say they speak, you speak something in Igbo and you have to translate it back to English. Do you know that you will lose some words? some original deep meanings of it. That's exactly what happened with the translating of the scriptures from Greek to English. So now, what did the writer do in reading? So when you read your Bible in the King James, and you see some words are italicized, just know that the authors added it. It was not there in the originals. Are you getting what I'm saying? So it was not in the original Greek. It was just like the author just figured out and said, "Mm, let's put this here, it will make sense. In the reading, when they read it together, does it make sense? So that's how they wrote the scriptures. So they included things that will help you understand. Sometimes they get it right, sometimes they get it wrong. So that's why the work of a Bible preacher is to make sure that you see that whether they get it wrong <laughs> or they got it right. <laughs> we'll study all of this this later. I have, I have a series on Bible hermeneutics. You should lay your hands on that. You understand what what I'm saying? All right. So look at Mark 16. I'm building my case gradually. Like I said, we are arranging our box now together. Look at Mark 16. We are about finishing and um, wrapping the box for today. We'll continue next Sunday. But are you getting, are you having an understanding of certain things? Look at Mark 16, verse 15. He said, and said unto them, Go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature that believeth is baptized and is saved and shall damn. And these signs shall follow them that believe. You see, it, shall, it must be in the four gospels, right? These signs that follow them that believe, in my name they shall do what? Cast out devils. And in my name they shall do what? Speak with what? New tongues. That word new is the word kairos. Something that has never existed before. 
So that utterance that comes from your mouth and tongues is a supernatural language. It is something that no man understands. No man. So, it says new. It means they were never spoken before. So, everything Jesus was speaking about is supernatural. He says, you will cast out the devil. That will be supernatural. So, in Isaiah 28, it says, with other thongs. In Mark 16, it says, with new thongs. In Acts 2, it says, they spoke with different languages, different thongs. It's just the same thing. So, thongs is described as a different mode of communication. So, let me give you a tip in getting people filled with the Holy Ghost. When you teach them from the scriptures, just like I'm teaching you now, just tell them, now open your mouth and speak in some in another language. Why? Why can you tell them to do it? You can't tell an unbeliever to do it. Why? The unbeliever does not even have the Holy Ghost. Does that make sense? But the believer is actually born of the Spirit. So there is already an ability with the believer to be able to speak. Does it make sense? So you don't even struggle to speak. It is natural to you because you were born again to speak with tongues. Are you getting me? Just like a a fish doesn't struggle to swim, a believer does not struggle with his reality, with his identity. Just like you don't struggle to speak English as uh, for some of you in the United States. Now, this is the same way you don't struggle as a born-again Christian to speak with tongues. Does that make sense? So you can simply show them in the scripture and you can just say, open your mouth and speak. It's that simple. Just speak in a language you don't understand. So you say, but it doesn't make sense. It can't make sense. It doesn't, if it makes sense, then it's not tongues. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? If it actually makes sense to your mind, then it's not tongues. It's not. It doesn't follow the normal kind of speech. Now, let's go to Acts 14. 1 Corinthians 14, sorry. Remember I told you the, the epistles is where you learn what? Doctrine. Nobody's, not everybody's responding. The epistles is where you will learn what? Alright. Look at 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14. Whew, I feel like I'm almost done now. At least I'm almost finishing. It's, it's quite some work this morning. I'm almost finishing my case. Then we'll continue next week. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Alright, 1 Corinthians 14. He says, follow after charity and desire spiritual gift, but rather that ye may prophesy. In us is for he that speaketh in an unknown what? Now, did you see in, in King James it was italicized? I don't know if you noticed it. It was italicized, right? So what did I tell you italics is? They were added by the authors. So it could have actually been that speaketh in what? In tongue. Right? Are you seeing it? So why did they use unknown? So that you can understand. Are you seeing how to read the scriptures? Are you seeing how to read the scriptures? Alright. Now it says, For he that speaketh in unknown, speaketh not unto who? So when you are speaking in tongues, are you talking to me? Are you talking to your neighbor? Are you talking to your friend? Your roommate, no, your wife, your husband, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. No. Mm. Respond. Why remember all of you just all of you suddenly became born again when I mentioned boyfriend, girlfriend? I beg. <laughs> it says, but you are speaking unto who? God. Look at what it says. For what? Let's read it together. Let's read the next phase together. One, two, ready, go. For no man understand. No man understand. Did you see that there was an italics in him again? Why was he added? To understand or for clarification, right? 
So we ca- it could actually be for no man. Are you seeing it? He now says, how be it in the spirit? He speaketh what? So, you know, remember I told you, you are born of the spirit. You are only speaking a language that is natural to you because you are born again. So you are speaking a language that only God understands. Remember, this I explained to people. There's a layman definition of prayer they taught us when we were younger. Prayer is the way of communicating to God, right? I mean, if you hear that definition, prayer is a way of communicating to God. Now, when you are talking to talking in tongues, who are you talking to? So are you praying? Does it make sense? Ah, Are you talking to a man? So, let's hold on. Hold on now. So, when speaking in tongues, who understands you? Do we all agree that it's God that understands? Let me see if you understand. Alright, we are all in one accord. So, on the day of Pentecost, can a man understand? At all? Alright. Now, see. So, tongues are spiritual communications in where? In the spirit. Tongues speaks to God. Prophecy speaks to man. Tongues speaks to God. Prophecy speaks to who? Tongues speaks to God. Prophecy speaks to who? Now, look at in verse 3. Now, that's in 1 Corinthians 14. It says, But he that prophesied speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. In says, but he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, speaketh, let's read the verse 3. Let's read together in verse 3. But he that prophesies, speaketh who? No, that's not what he said, though. He that speaketh, speaketh unto who? Men. Tongues is to who? God. Now, prophecy is to who? Men. Tongues is to who? God. Prophecy is to who? Men. Tongues is to who? God. Prophecy is to who? Look at it, verse 4. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue does what? But he that prophesied does what? So when you speak in tongues, you are building yourself. But when you are speaking in prophecy, who are you building? Now, do you know why? Because tongues is to who? Prophecy is to who? So when I speak in tongues, I edify myself, right? But when I'm in a public place, just like I'm doing now, and I'm speaking in a plain language, who am I talking to? So that you can understand, right? Does it make sense? Remember I told you it's in the epistles you learn doctrine, right? Alright. So, tongues does not go to God. It goes to men. Now you are listening. Tongues does not go to men. It goes to God. Good, 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 good. So, it is at no point a medium of communication with men. No, it is at no point. It is at no point. Look at in Act 19, verse 6. Just put your hands somewhere and go to Act 19. Put your hands in that first Corinthians 14. We are going back there. But look at Act 19, verse 6. Let's see an instance of something. Look at Act 19, verse 6. And when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them. And they did what? When they spoke in tongues, who did they speak to? Tongues. When they spoke in tongues, who did they speak to? When they were prophesying, could men hear them? Could men hear them? All right. 
So we can safely say, thongs plus interpretation is equal to prophecy. How many of you agree? How many of you agree? Tongues. So when I speak in tongues now, and I want you to understand what I say, I speak in the interpretation in English. Can I safely call that prophecy? Does it make sense? Because I first spoke to God, somebody you know understand, then I speak to you that you can understand. Can I call that prophecy? Yes, sir. Does it make sense to everybody? So do you agree that thongs plus interpretation is equal to what? Prophecy. Thongs plus interpretation is equal to what? Prophecy. All right. Good job. Good church. You know, we, have, we are the best church in the world. Hallelujah. <laughs> now, so what happened in Act 2? Now, I've given you, uh, we've driven a car, we've done a roundabout, a roundabout. Now, let's go home. Let's go back to Art 2. What happened in Art 2? Remember, the, the, what, what you used to think is that every man spoke in their language. They spoke in Chinese, they spoke in Taiwan, they spoke in Japan, they spoke in Yoruba, Ibo, Awusa, um, Tui, um, Arabic, um, no, they were Jews. Now, can we safely say, go back to Hart 2. Can we safely say, look at in Hart 19. Or, uh, Hart 2, sorry, no. <laughs> can we safely say in Hart 2, verse, five, verse 8, when it says, Now we hear every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born. Patience, in verse 9, Patience, Methodists, Elamis, dwellers of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cambodia, Pontius, Asia, Pyrgia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the part of Libya, Cretans, Syrians, strangers of Rome, Jews, and Prostelites, Cretes, Arabians. Can we safely say they were Jews who were scattered in those places? Do you agree? How many of you agree? Let me see your hands. That they were Jews who were just scattered in those places. Just like I gave you an example not quite long. That if I go to Nigeria to preach, they address me as, Hi, you're from where? From the United States. But um, does that change the fact that I cannot speak my native language? I can. So they were just dwellers who came home to celebrate what? Pentecost. So it's just like I told you about my own family now. My immediate family now is in Indiana. If I go to Indiana now, you know they will regard me as a New Yorker, as somebody from Rochester, New York. But it doesn't change the fact that I'm from Indiana. Are you seeing it? Does that make sense? So, but does this change their identity as Jews? So, who were, on, who were those present on the day of Pentecost? Jews. Does it make sense? Jews that understand Jewish language, right? Right? All right. So now, what did they hear? When they said they heard every man in their own language, what were they hearing? Remember, they've spoken, they've spoken in tongues. When it says the day of Pentecost was fully calm, I told you at 6 a.m. they started speaking in tongues, right? And later they don't say we heard every man in our own language. What were they hearing? Prophecy. Does it make sense to you now? Does it make sense? If it makes sense, let me see your hands. So what were they hearing? Prophecy. Because they were speaking in tongues and suddenly they said they heard every man in their own language. What were they hearing? Prophecy. So could they have been speaking in tongues and everybody in time, everybody is hearing what they are saying? No. Because tongues is not to who? It's not to man. Tongues is for who? It's for God. 
Does it make sense? Does it make sense? So they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Now, a lot of people are not even patient to hear Peter. Look at what Peter said. And as, you know, a lot of people like to explain the scripture for themselves. But the truth of the matter is, the explanation of this text is actually in the Acts 2. The explanation of what happened is actually in this same Acts 2. They were not patient to hear from the horse's mouth. We will just give interpretation. You hear, see, I'm not, you know, one of the reasons this series is here. We are living in a day and age where if we are not careful, thongs can go into extinction. You just find believers not just arguing about thongs, just fighting it and saying, no, it is not there. Because people just feel like they have so much knowledge and they are so wise and they are not feeling that they are wiser than God. That while we go, be allowing us to speak an all intelligent language. If God says we should speak with thongs, they say, well, explain this thing to Noah. He doesn't want a language that is corrupted again. And it shows a language for everybody that can unify us in the spirit. Do you know, I can travel to China now and I don't understand Chinese. But if I come to a church, a, a church gathering, where a China, when Chinese people are gathering, and they are praying in tongues, you know I can easily join. Because I know that, ah, brethren, this, these guys are men of the Holy Ghost. This is my family. But I might not understand any, when they start speaking their Chinese to preach the gospel. But at least I was able to pray with them. That is believers. That's what unifies us in the spirit. Because we are men of the Holy Ghost. We are men in the spirit. Remember I told you a man born again is a man of the spirit. Right? So now we are not even patient to hear from Peter. Look at what Peter said. In verse 14. Look at it. Start, let's start from verse 12. They were all amazed. And we are in doubt. Saying to one another. What mean is this? Others were mocking and saying. These men are, these men are full of new wine. They are just ah, What does this do? But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted his voice and said, Ye men of Judea. Judea means you Jews. Are you getting what I'm saying? And all that dwell at where? Jerusalem. Be it known unto you. And akin to my words. Verse 15. He says, For these are not drunken as ye suppose. But this is of the third hour of the day. Wow. Remember I told you what third hour means, right? 9 a.m., right? So they've spoken the tongues for good three hours. He now says, But this is of that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. You know, there's a, there's a prophet in the scripture called Joel, if you read the Bible. Now, in verse 17, what did the prophet Joel say? He said, It shall come to pass in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall do what? Prophesy. Shall do what? Prophesy. What did I say prophecy is? What did I say prophecy is? So what did they do in the book of Acts? They were prophesying. So that's why they called them men who were drunken. Because they saw them just speaking to Shava, Rodo, Sovra, and they just kept speaking. The Lord is doing great things in our midst and is increasing so much more. And we are growing and we are growing. You know, they just kept talking. They were talking tongues, talking. So they were wondering, what are these people? These people they were speaking, they were speaking our language. What was going on? Have you seen what happened in Acts 2? That was what happened. They were speaking in tongues and doing what? Prophesying. Does it make sense to you? Does it make sense to you? So remember I told you, tongues is not meant for men. In fact, if you understand tongues, then there's a problem. <laughs> so just be speaking what you don't understand. But does it make sense? Ah, it does. I used to tell people something. Does God understand all languages? 
Yes, he does. So if you speak in tongues, why do you think he doesn't understand you? And he has chosen that he wants to use the foolishness of this world to, to, to confound the wise. And he chose tongues. So imagine we intelligent people, you doctors, you doing your PhD, you still come to church and you just say, Shabara, Davrakaska. When an eight is walking, he's just looking, these guys are fools. Yeah, you see what happened, what is happening in the book of Isaiah? These guys are drunk men. They don't make sense. That's what is happening. He, he said he has chosen, if you read in 1 Corinthians 1, he said he has chosen the foolishness of this world to confound the wise. And he has chosen tongues. Forget it. It doesn't have to make sense. But see, he told us when we are praying in tongues, we are edifying ourselves. Jude 1 20 says, my beloved virgin, praying in, he says, praying in the Holy Ghost, and building up yourselves, I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. So when I pray in tongues, I am building my spirit man. Building is from the word oikodomia in the, in the Greek. It means I'm raising a structure and it's rising in the amplified. They say it's rising higher and higher like an edifice. So that shows I am building spiritual capacity for myself. First Corinthians 14 verse 2. It says when I pray in tongues, no man understands. How be it in the spirit I speak mysteries. In verse 3 he says, he says when I speak in tongues, he, he, man that speaks in tongues edifies himself. So I will learn to talk in tongues long enough enough to edify myself if at the day of pentecost the very first entrance of speaking in tongues the disciples were at least they had sense but the very first entrance of speaking they spent three hours just speaking in an unintelligent language why do you think what do you think happened to peter the shy guy who denied jesus not too long ago remember this was just 50 days after passover 49 days because Jesus rose up on the first day. Then 40 days he spent with the disciples. Then he told them at the ascension. And he told them he will leave them. And he said the Holy Ghost will come upon them not many days hence. So let's say nine days after Jesus went, they started speaking in tongues. That was not even too long. So we can safely say Peter just denied Jesus last month. And suddenly Peter was preaching to 3,000 men. And Peter became a pastor of 3,000 men at the spot. And he laid hands on them and they spoke with tongues. What do you think happened? They have spent three hours praying in the Holy Ghost. There is something tongues does to men. There is something. See, as a believer, you have to learn to talk in tongues long enough. When we call for prayer meeting and we are just praying in tongues, we are not, we, have, we know why we are doing it. Because we, we are doing something. Thorns can only be, thorns, tongues is not a, a, a human language. Let's go back to that 1 Corinthians 14 as I close. 1 Corinthians 14. Have you been blessed so far? 1 Corinthians 14. Look at it in verse 14, verse 14. So tongues can only be understood when they are interpreted. Remember, they are only understood when they are interpreted. So when I'm praying in tongues, who listens? When I'm praying in tongues, who listens? When I'm singing in tongues, who listens? When I'm singing in tongues, who listens? When I'm singing in my understanding, who listens? Are you seeing it? So you know what these people that say, if I have 10,000 tongues, it won't be enough. <laughs> you already have the Holy Ghost. You already have tongues. Your tongues is enough. Are you getting what I'm saying? If I have 10,000 tongues, it won't be enough. You, so we say, if, there's a song in Yoruba, they say, if I even use my, my eyes, my nose, my, my mouth to praise, it still will not be enough. <laughs> if I use my hand, my leg to praise, it will not be enough. I don't want to seek it for you, Yoruba. 
But see, you have the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Look at what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14. He said, if I pray in an unknown tongue, remember, you see that word unknown is in the, it's italicized, right? He said, if I pray in an unknown tongue, what is praying? Is, what is praying? He says, but my understanding is what? So you don't understand tongues, right? Right? All right. He says, what is it then? I will pray in the spirit. When you, what, what is praying in the spirit now? Does it make sense? So when Paul said in Ephesians 6 verse 18, praying always in all prayers and supplications in where? In the spirit. What was he referring to? Alright. So he says, I will pray in the understanding also. I will sing in what? I will sing in what? And I will sing with what? Look at what he now says in verse 16. It says, else thou shalt bless with the spirit. How shall they that occupy the room of the unlearned say amen at the giving of things, seeing that he understandeth not what thou sayest? He now says in verse 17, Thou verily give things well, but the other is not edified. So see, if you want to, if you want to really worship God well, you will sing in tongues. Look at what he says. He says, when you sing in the spirit, you have given things well. But the only issue is, when people walk into our service, and they just see people just singing in tongues, you know, and they don't know what tongues means. You know, they just think, what are these people doing? These people are madmen. But you know, we can actually start out in, in a service and just say, brethren, let's just worship God and let's just sing it. And that's how we will be our worship section for the day. Hope you know. A lot of us, we also, you know why? Because we are knowledge men, right? We know the word. But because of those that don't know the word, we can now say, okay, let's sing in English. Oh, holy Lord, I worship you, precious Lord. Just so that all that we understand, everybody will all be edified. But you know, when you sing in the Holy Ghost, you know you are giving thanks well. You know, when you pray in tongues, just like we prayed this morning, who were you praying to? Were you praying to the sister who led prayer this morning? No! Are you seeing it? Who were you talking to? So imagine you were talking to God. You know, we prayed certain prayers. We prayed for ourselves to have understanding. Imagine you were talking to God about the service this morning and just say, Oh Lord, then you're just praying in the Holy Ghost. You, that is how to be a Christian. That is how to be a Christian. So look at what he now says. He says, you give things well. Look at what Paul now says in verse 18. Ah, yeah. Paul said, I thank my God. Ah, this is one scripture that, see, even atheists cannot fault. Paul said, I thank my God. I speak in tongues more than you all. Yeah. Paul boasting to the whole of Asia, the whole church of Corinth. Do you know what the whole church means? Let me explain. It's like saying the church in Rochester, all the churches in Rochester put together, all the churches. Paul sent a letter to the whole of Corinth. That's the meaning. And he's saying, I speak in tongues more than all of you. So it's to tell us, Paul was not an apostle. He was not part of the twelve. But it was somebody, we saw when he was saved, a certain Ananias, right? We saw it. This was somebody who now wrote to third of the New Testament. Not even Peter could do what he did. He reached the whole of Asia. Not Peter could do what he did. Are you seeing the secret of his ministry? Thongs. He said, I thank my God. I speak in tongues more than all of you. So that means in Paul's private prayer life, he was speaking in tongues a whole lot. So if you want to make proof, make growth, make, um, make your Christian life more, more advantageous, you will have to spend more time praying in the Holy Ghost. Does it make sense? You have to pray in the Holy Ghost a lot. Praying in tongues is praying in the Spirit. So when you believe, you have to speak in tongues. Are you seeing it? Are you seeing it? We're going to continue from here next week. We're going to we'll continue from here. There's still so much to learn. 
about thongs beyond what? The day of Pentecost. So there's thongs beyond that day. Are you seeing that? Thongs is also in our today's service. Thongs is for your everyday living. Thongs is for when you get home. Thongs is for when you're in your room. Thongs is for you and your friends. Because you are not talking to who? You are talking to who? You're talking to God. So thongs is for our everyday living. So everywhere people spoke in tongues, no one was left out. In Acts 2, no one was left out. In Acts 8, no one was left out. In Acts 10, in Colonial's house, no one was left out. In Acts 8, in Samaria, no one was left out. In Acts 10, in Colonial's house, no one was left out. In Acts 19, Paul laid this on everybody, no one was left out. In Acts um, in that, um, in, uh, at, um, nine, um, 9, Paul, no one was left out. Are you seeing it? So everybody spoke in thong. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, you know, we can just do that this morning and just talk to God. How many of you want to talk to God this morning? You know, you can talk to God about your week, right? How many of you want to do that? You just, you know how you do it? You position your week in your mind and you just talk in thongs about it. Just talk in thongs to God about Monday. About Tuesday, about Wednesday, about Thursday, about Friday. You know, you won't care who is looking at you, right? You won't care what anybody around you is saying, right? You know, you can just talk in tongues. Remember what I said. If you are not speaking in tongues, remember what I said. Remember what I said. You don't need anybody to lay hands on you. Because you are born again, you can naturally speak. Are you seeing it? See, I have a friend in secondary school. That, the guy, really, he really blew my mind. His name is Allah. Allah just told me one day, he just said, I read the scripture and the Bible says I can speak in tongues. And he closed his Bible and said, and he started speaking in tongues. I said, is that easy? I said, me, I struggle do. He said, is that easy? He said, I believe the scripture. I believe what the Bible said. He said, I read the Bible and it says, every believer is born again that can speak in tongues. He said, so why am I be holding back? And he said, I, I closed his Bible. He said, I closed my Bible and I closed my eyes and I just started speaking in tongues. And from there, the guys started getting more people filled with the Holy Ghost. So, as you have heard me this morning, you don't even need any Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is in this someone that I taught. All you just need is to open your mouth and speak. Just like you are speaking English, you will just switch your language to other language. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? So now, let's talk to God about our week. Do you want to pray? Pray, lift your voice. Lift your voice and pray in tongues. Pray in tongues concerning Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and just trust God for your week.